It's great to see everyone here this morning. Glad that you're able to be out. It is a blessing to be able to worship God together. The Bible uses a lot of illustrations to convey ideas to us, the readers. And I believe the timeless and universal nature of these illustrations are a great proof of the inspiration of the Bible. The fact that the illustrations that God chose to use are pertinent to us in the 21st century just as much as they were in the 1st century. And beyond that, I believe, proves that there's divine guidance in revealing these things to us. For example, if you wanted to describe something difficult 20 or 30 years ago, what kind of illustrations would you have used? Would you say, well, doing this is as difficult as programming the time on your VCR? Or would you say, doing that is as hard as starting a carbureted car on a cold morning and getting the choke just right? Or doing this takes as much time and is as challenging as flipping through the phone book to find somebody's phone number. We probably would have used things like that 20 or 30 years ago to talk about something as hard and difficult. And there are a lot of folks in the audience today that wouldn't understand any of those illustrations that I just presented. The Bible, on the other hand, when describing something difficult, uses the beginning of its illustrations, like the one that Joseph just read for us in Matthew chapter 19, beginning of verse 23. Assuredly, I say to you, it is, as, it, is, uh, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They had camels in the first century and they used needles in the first century. And we still have camels in the 21st century. And in spite of all of our technology, we still use needles today. And everyone in the audience this morning understands this illustration. I dare say even Tyler could understand this illustration. Proof to me, I believe, of inspiration of the Bible. This had to come from God. Well, this morning, I don't want to talk about camels and I don't want to talk about needles, but I do want to talk about another illustration that God uses for us in the Bible, an, an illustration that helps us to understand what He wants us to hear and to see, the idea of our clothing. God tells us throughout the Bible that He wants us to keep our clothes clean. The same thing that our mothers, no doubt, told us as we were running out the door so many times, keep your clothes clean. God is telling us in the Bible that we need to keep our clothes clean. God uses the idea, the illustration of garments, to represent the condition of our spiritual lives. And he did it in the Old Testament with literal garments. When Jacob is going to Bethel and is preparing to worship God there, he tells his people to change their clothes. In Genesis chapter 35, beginning of verse 1. Genesis 35, beginning of verse 1. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with them, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way <clears throat> excuse me, in which I have gone. Notice the connection here. As they're told they need to purify themselves and get ready to be before God, 
They were to change their clothes. The same is true in Exodus chapter 19, beginning verse 10. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 10, as God is getting ready to appear to the children of Israel, they were told they needed to people and wash their clothes. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 10, then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and let them be ready for the third day. And on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. The people were told they needed to wash their clothes. This is interesting because God is a spirit, yet their physical clothes reminded them of their need to be clean before God. Wash your clothes. Change your clothes. Get out of those dirty clothes. Get on something clean so you can stand before God. Figuratively, this was presented in the Old Testament as well in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. Salvation in Isaiah 61 is described as dressing up in nice clothing, nice clean clothing. Look at Isaiah 61, beginning of verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with the ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Salvation here is presented this idea of clean, nice, beautiful garments. Over and over again, the Bible is showing us that our condition, our spiritual condition, is like clothing, and if it is clean, our, our spiritual condition is well. It is also reflected of the clothing that God wears in, do, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. Notice how God is described. I watched till the thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. God is said to be dressed in this white garment, as white as snow. In other words, pure and clean. And our spiritual condition is described by clothing that should be pure and clean as well. Notice in, uh, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 8. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 8, this is talking about the church Notice how the church is clothed. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. The righteous acts of the saints are clothing the church. Her clothing is clean and bright and pure. And so it is with our spiritual lives as well. This is how angels were described in Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 1. Matthew 28, beginning of verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the mother of Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was lightning, his clothing as white as snow. Our spiritual condition throughout the New Testament and throughout the Bible is represented by clothing. That clothing can be either clean or dirty. It can be either, either pure or spotted. It can be uh, clean and whole or it can be defiled. Our garments represent our spiritual lives. And our garments, I tell you this morning, are affected by how we live. I have clothes that reflect the things that I have done. I have a sweatshirt that has pink paint on it. 
from the day that I was painting the girl's bedroom. I, until just recently, had a work jacket, and the entire front of it was eaten out from battery acid when I got too close to a battery. Nikki found that in the closet and said, this has got to go. It's got a big hole in it. I said, yeah, but I like it. She said, it's got to go. Our clothing is affected by the things that we do. And you probably have clothes that have similar stains on them. And when you pull them out of the dresser or out of the closet, you see that stain and you remember what you were doing that day when you got that stain on you. So it is with our spiritual garments. Our spiritual garments are affected by how we live. And they can get spoiled or soiled by the way that we live our lives. Jude, verse 21 beginning, says this. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Our garments, our spiritual garments, can be defiled by the way that we live our lives. Garments get defiled. It's like we, in our physical lives, and this illustration is so powerful. It's like in our spiritual lives when we make mistakes and we get too close to that dirty thing. And we get some on us. So it is in our spiritual lives. When we don't live like we should, our garments get defiled. And we can deliberately stain our clothes. We can do it on purpose. You know, when I get on my dirty clothes and I'm going to do a dirty job, and maybe I've maybe I'm got those clothes on that I would paint a room in, and I get some paint on me, you know, there are times when I just wipe that on my pants. I know it's going to get them dirty, but I don't care. I know it's going to mess up my pants. And sometimes people do this in their lives, don't they? Maybe it's the folks in, at work or the people in the neighborhood. Maybe even people in our families who know that what they're doing is wrong. They know it is not what God wants them to do, but they're going to do it anyways. They're soiling their garments on purpose. And maybe that's been us in the past. I know this isn't right. I know this isn't how I should live, but I'm going to do it anyways. And our clothes get soiled and, spoiled and, uh, and defiled. I want to tell you that perhaps even more significant than this is the fact that we can soil our garments inadvertently. Our garments can be soiled by casual contact. You know, there are a lot of times that I get my clothes dirty when I don't intend to. Just because I get a little too close to the dirt. There are times when I sit down in worship services and cross my legs and I look down at the cuff of my pants and I realize I really couldn't run down to the barn real quick before we got in the car in all the mud and not get some on me. It's on me. I didn't realize it, but it's there. You probably have done that before as well. Maybe sit down in a meeting and at work and you look down at your pants and say, oh, I didn't realize the dog got that close to me and smeared all that on me. We can be defiled by casual conduct in our, and contact in our physical attire. And the same is true spiritually as well. Look at Haggai chapter 2. In Haggai chapter 2 verse 11, 
You know, throughout the Old Testament, and David has been leading us in the book of Exodus, we're learning about the clean and the unclean. And God was so rigorous in, in establishing that idea in the Israelites' mind. There are things that are clean that are okay. There are things that are unclean that you have no business with. In fact, if you touch them, notice what Haggai said, unclean. This idea of separating from the things that are unclean. Notice what Haggai says in chapter 2, beginning of verse 11. Haggai chapter 2, verse 11. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Now ask the priest concerning the law, saying, If one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and with the edge he touches bread or stew, wine or oil or any food, will it become holy? Then the priest answered and said, No. The idea is that the priest has got this holy food and he's carrying it and he brushes up on some other things. Is that going to make those other things holy? The priest said, well, no, that wouldn't make them holy. It wouldn't make them clean. And he goes on. And Haggai said, if one who is unclean because of a dead body touches any of these, will it be unclean? So the priest answered and said, it shall be unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, so is this people. And so is this nation before me, says the Lord, and so is every work of their hands, and what they offer there is unclean. Haggai is presenting the principle that it just takes a touch. You just have to have casual contact with something that's unclean to make it unclean in the Old Testament by the law of Moses. And so it is for us today. When we are around things that are unclean, it just takes casual contact with those things, and we can become defiled as well. Our garments are affected by how we live. And I want to tell you that we then have the responsibility to keep ourselves clean, to keep our garments clean, and to keep them clean even if those who are around us have no interest in doing the same. Even if those who are around us aren't keeping their garments clean, we as Christians must keep our garments clean. We looked at this passage in our lesson last Sunday night. But we're going to have to be around people who are not living like they should. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet certainly I did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous, or extortioners, or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. Paul says, listen, you're going to have to be in contact with people who are immoral, who are not living like they should, but you still have to keep yourself pure. You still have to keep your clothes clean. You can't allow them to influence you to do things that are bad. Now remember, we talked about the fact we could get our clothes dirty just by casual contact. And so we're going to have to be on guard because we're going to have to be around people who aren't living like they should. And the way that I'm going to keep my clothes clean is in if I will keep this separation from the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, another verse that we looked at. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning of verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what accord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch that which is unclean. And I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Come out. Be separate. Don't 
come all the way out of the world, but you be separate from the world. Don't allow them to get on your clothes. Make sure you're separate and understand that importance. You know, when I get my physical clothes dirty, it's because I didn't keep far enough away from the thing that could get me dirty. I thought I could reach under the hood and I could check that thing without getting it on my nice dress shirt. I didn't stay far enough away. And as Christians, when we get our clothes dirty, many times it's because we didn't stay far enough away for the thing that could get them dirty. Kids, you need to understand that you need to keep your clothes clean. Even if all of your friends are doing things that they shouldn't do, God expects you to be different, to keep your clothes clean. You can't ever say to God, well, God, everybody else was doing it. No, you've got to keep your clothes clean, regardless of what those who are around you are doing. And when you think about how you act when you have clean clothes on versus when you have dirty clothes on, you act differently, don't you? You act differently when you have your clean clothes on. You don't just go doing anything when you got your nice dress clothes on. And so it is with us. We need to make sure that we're working to keep our clothes clean. But I also want to tell you, that when we're thinking about the world and how we need to act around them, it's easy to see that we've got to be different than the world. But we also have to understand that we've got to be different than those in the church even. In Revelation chapter 3, look at beginning of verse 1. In Revelation chapter 3, the church at Sardis had some major league problems, big problems. But there were Christians in the church at Sardis who had kept their clothes clean in spite of the fact that even other people at church were doing things that they shouldn't do. In Revelation chapter 3, beginning of verse 1, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name that you live, in, but are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard and hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Bad, bad stuff going on here. The other folks at church were doing bad, but notice this. You have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. There were bad things going on at Sardis. There were a lot of people who weren't what they should be. And yet there were still a few who had maintained purity, who hadn't gotten their clothes dirty in spite of this. We need to make sure that we are living true to God, not true to our brethren. Our brethren might be engaged in things that are not what God wants them to be doing. My allegiance is to God, and I've got to make sure that I'm following Him in all areas of my life. I can't go to God and say, God, well, everybody else at church was doing this. All of my brethren were engaged in this. No, I'm still responsible to God. And the lesson for us is that we've got to be pure and furthermore, we don't have to run away from a church just because there's others in it who aren't living like they should.
The instruction to the brethren at Sardis was, hey, listen, you guys that have your clean clothes on, that haven't gotten your clothes dirty, you need to hit the road and get going. No. They needed to stay. They needed to work it out. They needed to encourage each other. It is possible to be in a church where others around you have dirty clothes and you still keep your clean clothes on. Finally this morning, as God expects us to keep our clothes clean, He's very clear in the Scriptures that if we get our clothes dirty, they can be washed. We've all done it, haven't we? You go and you buy a nice new shirt or a nice pair of pants, and the very first time you wear it, you get barbecue sauce all over it. And you get that sick feeling in your mind, don't you? Can I get this spot out of here? Will I ever be able to wear this, this shirt that I paid this good money for that I really liked? Will I ever be able to wear it again? When we get our clothes dirty, when we get our spiritual clothes dirty, and however ugly and the stain is, the resounding answer from God is you can get the stain out. You can get your clothes clean again. In Luke chapter 15, that's a small type I know, but in the story of the prodigal son, notice how he had lived his life. He said here in Luke chapter 15, beginning verse 11, <clears throat> a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer to be called, worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again and he was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Pigs. And he comes to his father in repentance and his father brings out the best and nicest robe that he has and has it put on him. When we get our spiritual garments dirty, they can be made clean again. We need to understand that. Notice this description of those who are in a right relationship with God in Revelation chapter 7, beginning of verse 9. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And the angels stood around the throne, and the elders, and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne, and worshiped God, saying, Amen. 
blessing and glory and honor, or blessing, blessing and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might, be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The people who get to be in God's presence aren't the people who have had white robes since they were born. They are the ones who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. When we make mistakes, the blood of the Lamb can wash our clothes and our garments clean so we can stand before God pure and whole. God over and over again tells us to keep our clothes clean. How are we doing? Are we doing what God wants us to do? Are we living pure lives before Him? And if we're not, the blood of the Lamb can help us be pure once again. We need to think about our lives and how we're living. And as you think about that, if you know areas where you need to make improvement, please make that before it's too late. And if we can help you, will you let us know while we stand and while we sing?